the Titans have trimmed their roster down to 53 guys. We are still waiting on the practice squad, but for now we are going to go through every position, talk about the biggest surprise cuts, the biggest surprise guys who made the roster. This is the Music City Audible. Let's get to it. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media in partnership with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. With me, as always, Justin Mello. And yes, finally, cut down day is here. A sad day for like 1100 something guys across the NFL who uh, whose dreams will not be continuing, at least not on an active roster. Of course, practice squad still to be sorted out. Justin, how's it going? You've been a busy, busy man today. <laughs> I'm surviving, I think is the best thing I could say. Uh, you know, it's it was about eight, nine hours straight of on the phone, phone calls, text messages. It didn't stop literally the entire day. Sounds like a short day, but I promise you it's not when you're looking at the phone the whole time, not to mention the months and weeks of preparation that have sort of gone into this for me. So I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I guess it was a uh, largely successful day for me. I, I I never like reporting the cuts. You know, that's not something I get pleasure out of. Uh, as you noticed, a lot more enthusiasm, I think, when I was reporting the surprises uh, that, that made the roster. That's significantly more exciting to me than the releases. But uh, it was a heck of a day for sure. Been a whirlwind. Yeah, if you're not following Justin on Twitter, at Justin M underscore NFL, you probably saw his tweets being retweeted into your timeline today because you broke... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think nearly every signing or cut outside of maybe Racy McMath and Chance Campbell, did you get every single other one? <laughs> yeah, I think I had every single one except McMath and Campbell. I think that's correct, yeah. That's crazy. So well done. Kudos to you, sir. Let's go through it now. We will start with the quarterback position where there were no surprises. The Titans ended up keeping three quarterbacks. Lots of discourse throughout the offseason, but I think... As cutdown day came closer and closer, we kind of knew the Titans were going to keep all three of Tannehill, Malik Willis, and Will Levis, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, no surprise here whatsoever, like you said, right? I think, but kudos to Malik Willis, right? Because it's 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 always yeah. easy to forget what the situation was like months ago, right? Rewind to when Will Levis was drafted. I think a lot of people were like, "Ooh, Malik Willis is probably not going to be on this roster," or "Are they already going to cut bait with their rookie quarterback, you know, sophomore to be?" So. What did he do? He went into the offseason. He got better, right? Better accuracy, a bit more decisive, even if the average time to throw doesn't always uh, say it. I, I do find he was more decisive, in my opinion. More willingness to throw across the middle. Looked better when running the football than he did last year. Just a better overall player, a better all-around quarterback. Not mistake-free, you know, still made some errors. I'm sure he'd love to have back throughout the preseason. But ultimately, he played well enough to keep. This was no surprise. I didn't even report on it. I didn't tweet it, nothing. It was very, yeah. very obvious. I think they were going to keep three quarterbacks. That's exactly what they did. Yeah, and we heard about the growth that Willis was showing, you know, all the way back in April of the first OTAs that the, t the team held. So it's nice to see that that growth pretty much continued through the preseason. He got a lot of action this preseason, probably more than anyone planned with the injury to Will Levis. And uh, I think, you know, 
He played his best preseason game, the final one against New England. He did have two really bad turnovers, and there's been a lot of argument on Twitter over whether or not the first one was on Josh Wiley or on Malik Willis. Mike very well put any of that argument to bed by saying firmly that he shouldn't have even thrown that ball. He should have continued his progression to the next target, which I can't remember who he said he should have thrown to there. But yes, outside of those two very bad plays, it was a pretty dang good game for Malik Willis. He did have one like dropped read option fumble, but he was able to get it back, so it was no big deal. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy that he made the roster. I think he probably enters the season if, you know, if Lauren Tantenhill goes down in week one against New Orleans, it's not going to be Will Levis coming into the game to replace him. It's going to be nope. Malik Willis. So definitely showed a lot of growth. A hundred percent. It would be Malik Willis, right? Levis has missed crucial reps down the stretch here, unfortunately not playing the second and third preseason game. I was going to make that point. If Tannehill, God forbid, were to go down in week one against the Saints, it, it would certainly be Malik Willis. Now, does that stay the case throughout the whole regular season? Remains to be seen, but for now, uh, QB2 is certainly Malik Willis. Right. So let's move on to the running back position here where maybe some surprises to people out there. To us, not a surprise. When we did our 53-man roster projection last week, we both had the team keeping three running backs. That's exactly what they did. Derrick Henry, Tajay Spears, and Julius Chestnut are the three guys. Jacquez Patrick did not make the team. Hassan Haskins was placed on injured reserve and then placed on the commissioner's exempt list, which is sort of what they do when they're figuring out if they want to suspend a player for a legal situation or, you know, violation of the player conduct policy, which obviously Haskins is has an ongoing legal situation involving an alleged domestic violence incident. So I think that they sort of put Haskins on IR as a way to say, like, let's just stash him here until we let the legal situation resolve itself. NFL comes along, puts him on the commissioner's exempt list anyway. So the Titans go into the season with just three running backs. I think a lot of people thought Jacques Patrick would be kept because he signed a two-year deal uh, just like a couple weeks ago. But um, no guaranteed money in that deal, so it really didn't matter. I do think he'll probably wind up back on the practice squad just because they'll need another running back. But um, Jonathan Ward also cut, uh, I guess not even on Tuesday. That happened, what, Sunday? It happened earlier in the week, so we already knew that was not going to be the case. So the Titans end up with three running backs. What do you make of that? Just to be clear, Ward was waived injured. There was an injury there that that Ward was dealing with from the first week of the preseason against the Bears. Um, I think once Haskins was placed on IR, season-ending IR, I think it was on Monday, um, it essentially essentially told you they were going to keep three running backs, right? Because I thought that was the one decision that they still had to make was whether they were going to kind of keep Hassan on the 53 and, and sort of, you know, support him through the ongoing legal situation or whatever you whatever you want to call I don't know if support's the right word, but you know what I mean. Um, I think once he was placed on IR, season-ending IR, I agree with you. Like, it certainly feels like this is just kind of like we'll deal with it once the legal process is over with, right? Because he can't come back, right? He didn't make the initial 53, so he's out right. for the whole year. So this very much feels like, you know what, we're going to stash him for the next 10 months, 12 months, see what happens. And at that point, we'll make a decision. As soon as that happened... Again, like the quarterbacks, I think it was very obvious they were going to go with three running backs. It was, and, you know, Julius Chestnut, of course, was the number three. Haskins no longer in contention. Jonathan Ward no longer in contention due to being waived injured. There really wasn't a decision to make here. And, and I got to raise my hand and take responsibility for the Patrick uh, stuff on Twitter because I was the one that reported it was a <laughs> two-year contract. And I was right. It was a two-year contract. But I didn't expect everyone, I guess, to run with it and say, oh, this guarantees them a spot at if you don't know the inner workings of an NFL contract, it's quite common. Like every UDFA almost always signs a three-year deal. 
which only contains a small portion of guaranteed money. And right. you know, a, lot, a lot of time they don't last three years, right? But yeah. the team wisely signs them to a contract. So if they do like them, all of a sudden they control them for three years. Same thing with Patrick, right? If they liked him enough, they would have controlled them for the next two years. So right. that's that, uh, but really no surprises at running back. Yeah, and Julius Chestnut has had, you know, an amazing preseason. I think he may have been second overall in the NFL in total rushing yards. Um, he led the Titans in yards from scrimmage, you know, combining rushing and receiving yards. And his work on special teams is what really, you know, cemented his spot as the number three running back. Mike Vrabel said it in his Monday press conference about how Chestnut has been locked in and engaged in the special teams meetings to uh, to figure out his role there. He, he mentioned, Vrabel mentioned that there was like a play in the first preseason game where Chestnut didn't squeeze it down the sideline well enough and, and let a guy through, but it seems like he took that moment to learn from it and has been getting better. And so he'll play a key role. I mean, he'll be active on game days every every week as a key special teams guy here, taking over a role that Hassan Haskins had last year. So big day for him, and, and we're happy for him. We are all chest nuts, as I've said on this podcast. <laughs> Let's move on to the wide receiver position, which was one of the more surprising developments of Tuesday. The fact that they decided to keep seven receivers, and we saw Traylon Burks back on the practice field on Monday. He's not 100% yet, but looking good and likely will be ready by week one, which is a, a good surprise for the Titans. Kyle Phillips, on the other hand, not likely to be ready by week one or maybe not even for the first few games of the season. So I think that's why they elected to keep seven receivers here. Uh, we knew who five of them were going to be. DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, Chris Moore, and Nick Westbrook-Akina. And the other two guys that made it were Colton Dowell, this year's seventh round pick, and the undrafted free agent out of Georgia, Kiaris Jackson, who was one of the most hyped UDFA signings back in April, right when the draft ended, as like the Titans got a good receiver here. Then he didn't like he was it was a question of whether he was even on the field for the rookie minicamp because he was dealing with a minor injury and questions started to swirl. But he uh, had a good preseason, had a good training camp, did have a minor injury that he was able to quickly come back from and uh, had that nice touchdown catch on a scramble drill play with Malik Willis in the final preseason game. Probably opens the year as the primary punt returner and maybe kickoff returner with the injury to Kyle Phillips. Yeah, I think as we got an increasingly closer to Tuesday's deadline, excuse me, I started feeling more and more like they were going to keep seven. And I certainly uh, would have gone seven for seven on that projection because I, I had uh, would have had Kiaris Jackson and Colton Dowell beating out those last two spots, being fairly close with uh, Reggie Roberson Jr., Mason Kinsey, and Treshawn Harrison. But certainly I, I would have leaned towards Kiaris Jackson and Colton Dowell. No surprises there. I think Jackson starts the year certainly as their starting kick returner. And I don't know who the starting punt returner is, but it very well may be him as well, right? Because I thought they released a couple of guys that were in that mix um, to return punts. So I do expect it to be Kiaris Jackson. Uh, good for him. He earned it. Like you said, at first it was reported he signed as a UDFA, and then it was like, well, he didn't actually sign, and he wasn't on the initial list the Titans handed out. You, you got a great memory going all the way back to the rookie minicamp. He wasn't on the piece of paper they hand out, right? Yeah. So it's like <laughs> but people saw him. They spotted him. They're like, oh, he's here. So this isn't a misreport, but I guess they're still working through some things. But uh, I wouldn't be shocked, especially you know with them keeping seven. Does Kyle Phillips go on IR now? Wouldn't yeah. surprise me at all. In all honesty, now you can put him there to miss the first four games of the year. It sounds like that's relatively in line with how many more weeks he's going to miss anyway. Right, like he's not right. going to come back for week one, probably not week two. Could you get him back for week three? Maybe if things progress well. But I think at that point, you weigh: is it worth uh, the roster spot? Taking the risk yeah. to just get him back a week early, and you know we'll just put him on IR, bring up another guy. You know they went light at some positions. They went light at tight end. 
they went light on the D line in my opinion. So they went a little light at corner. So there's a spot there, I think, for Phillips to go on IR and, and bring another guy in. Yeah, I think that that could be a likely thing to watch for on Wednesday. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, maybe you already know. But um, I do think it's interesting that Dowell and Jackson both beat out Racy McMath, who, you know, was a, more of a veteran guy. And they went into this training camp, Mike Vrabel saying, like, this is the year that McMath has to prove it. I thought he was going to have a special teams role. So I had him on our projection that we did last week because I thought that would be really important. But I guess they feel good enough about Dowell and Jackson contributing on special teams that they decided to go a different direction. Obviously, Treshawn Harrison was a guy that was making plays throughout training camp. Reggie Robertson as well, who you mentioned. Mason Kinsey's been around for so long, but again, not able to crack the 53-man roster here come cut day, which has been the story of his short career here in Tennessee. So lots of guys, Gavin Holmes, that were in the mix that were cut or waived this week. Um, And they end up keeping seven guys, so good for them. Let's move on to the tight end position where we had a surprise we all kind of thought, you know, everyone who reports on the Titans kind of thought that they would end up keeping four guys. And uh, we knew they were going to keep, obviously, Chica Conquo and Trevon Wesco. We were very strongly, you know, thinking that they would keep Josh Wiley after drafting him this year, even though he didn't do very much to, like, stand out in the preseason or training camp. But obviously, as a draft pick this year, we were expecting him to make the team. And then it was a question, is it Kevin Rader? Is it Thomas Otakoya that, makes the, that takes the last spot? Answer was neither. Both of those guys waved. Our guy, Thomas Otakoya, did not make the team, but uh, likely will be ending up back on the practice squad where he does not count towards the 16 players, the limit of 16 players that they can have on the squad because of his international player pathway program status. So get an extra pre- practice squad spot by keeping Otakoya there instead of on the 53-man roster. Um, but I am kind of bummed that he didn't make it. Yeah, I was a little surprised they decided to go light here, right, with, with just three. I thought they would keep four. That was my line of thinking all summer. Even when Alizé Mack was playing well before he was waived injured, I think I had him on a very early projection. But um, yeah, I'll say this. if I, You know, knowing what I now know, putting a hat on that says, I, you know, I know they're going to release Thomas Odequoia, and I probably wouldn't have thought of this before, but uh, don't want to give myself too much credit. Uh, I wonder if it came down to how similar he is to Trayvon Wesco, you know, in terms yeah. of it's another blocking first tight end and the same goes for Kevin Rader right a block first tight end so that could have played a, a factor uh, maybe they feel he's not ready I wonder if he gets claimed Udakoya probably not but there's such a need around the league for blocking tight ends and so much respect for that skill set like immediately when I, I broke the news that he had been released I had buddies of mine who um, who uh, create content on the Los Angeles Chargers reach out into my DM and say, Hey, we really need a blocking tight end. Can you tell me more about this kid? Like I had phone calls asking about the running backs, but I thought the Udakoya one stood out to me a lot. Um, so I, I think he'll end up back on the practice squad. We don't know for sure. I'm surprised they went with three. I, I bet they get both. I bet they try to sign both of them back Udakoya and Raider and, and carry yeah, two too. tight ends, especially because Udakoya won't count as you said, and they try to get two tight ends onto the practice squad. Yeah, I I would expect that they try. We'll see if uh, they clear waivers. Moving on to the offensive line where we had some, I would say, shocking news this week that Dylan Radins was activated off the PUP list. He passed his physical. No idea where Dylan Radins is going to slot in. Is he a guard? Is he a tackle? Is he not even on the field? Like, we don't really know. He doesn't know. He said he'll play anywhere that he can help to contribute to the team. 
Vrabel said, let's just try to get him back in here and up up to speed and in shape before we worry about where we're going to play him. So uh, not the most like not not a very encouraging review for <laughs> Raiden's status, but he is on the roster. He's going to count towards the 53 and the Titans decided to keep 10 O linemen, which is a bit heavy. But I guess if Raiden's isn't really contributing right now, that would explain why they kept 10. Obviously, Nicholas petit Friere is still on the suspended list, so he makes the team without counting towards the 53. And then the other nine, Andre Dillard, Peter Skaronsky, Aaron Brewer, Daniel Brunskill, Chris Hubbard. Those are your five starters. Uh, I mentioned Raidens. Then you have Corey Levin, probably your top swing interior guy. Jalen Duncan made the roster, the sixth-round draft pick of this year. Just too much upside to put him on waivers, I think. Uh, Xavier Newman-Johnson makes it. And finally, Justin Murray, who may or may not be competing to start at right tackle. Mike Vrabel did name Chris Hubbard the starter for now. He was uh, very clear to emphasize the for now aspect of that. Didn't say he would be the week one starter. He just said he's the starter for now, but we're continuing to look at that spot. So we'll see if Justin Murray competes there. I don't expect Jalen Duncan to compete there. I don't expect Dylan Radins to be ready to try to compete there. Levin and Newman Johnson are more interior guys. So if it's not Hubbard, it's Murray. And uh, that's where we're at with the offensive line. Yeah, before the Radiance news that he was healthy and, and coming off the, the pup, I had nine guys here, and I went nine for nine because my ninth was Xavier Newman-Johnson, who I had just slightly beating out Jordan Roos and Andrew Rupsich, and, and that's exactly what happened, um, as I reported on Tuesday. Uh, once the Radiance thing happened, I will admit it, it threw, a cur- threw me a curveball, right? I go, yeah. oh, you know, will they keep nine, and is, that, is, that, is this going to cost? Xavier Newman-Johnson now, uh, but it didn't. And it makes sense that they didn't because he played really well throughout the preseason. Raiden's probably isn't ready to contribute right away, as you said. But they obviously, but it's, it's an interesting situation, right? It's a fine line because he's obviously close enough where they think he's ready within the first few a, weeks. Passed a physical. You can't come off yeah, PUP without they, passing the physical. So They could have just kept him, right, on, on the pump. He would have missed four yeah. weeks, I believe. So <laughs> right. he's close if he's not fully there. But they still decided to keep Ted. And look, and, and look, it doesn't guarantee that it's because he's not ready because a lot of teams keep 10, right? I'd say probably about half the league keeps nine, the other half keeps 10, give or take, right? So, um, but I think it's, you know, I, I like the back end of this group. As much as there's question yeah. marks about the starters, you know, I, I like the depth they got in Raiders. I like what Corey Levin offers them. I like what Xavier Newman Johnson a ton. And I'm going to like a couple of the guys that end up on the practice squad, right? Well, to be dated, to be seen. You should probably stay tuned to my Twitter, you know, hint, hint, if you <laughs> like practice squad news. But I, I would think a guy like Andrew Rupsich could end up back on there. I would think Jordan Roos might end up back on there. They're going to yeah. have options. So uh, pretty good makeup here at the uh, back end of this group. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I had uh, Andrew Rupsich making it over Jalen Duncan, so that was a miss by me, but I, it was probably pretty close there. I bet they felt like they could get Rupsich back on the practice squad easier than they could get Duncan, who they just drafted this sure. year, who has a lot of untapped potential still. Well, needs to develop, but has that ceiling, so they wanted to keep a player like that around, and it makes sense. And really, they get to keep 11 guys, even though... They can't touch NPF for the first right. six weeks, and he's got to be away from the team for three weeks. And then after the third week of his suspension, he'll be able to resume you know, team activities and getting treatment and things like that, uh, working out in the facility and stuff. So he'll be back you know, going into week four, at least around the team, um, and obviously won't be able to play until week eight because of the Titans' week seven bye. But yeah, the O-line, not a huge surprise. But uh, the Dylan Radins news was the big surprise there. So moving on to the defensive side of the ball, looking at the D line. Now, they either kept four or five guys, depending on how you view Danico Autry. I choose to view Autry still as a D lineman, not as a Me D too. end. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. No one else does. I feel like it's yeah. just you and I. 
I know. <laughs> like uh, on Mike's fifty, Mike Mike Herndon tweeted out, you know, the whole fifty-three man roster, and he's got Autry gr- grouped in with the outside linebackers, which. I mean, he's going to play all over the line, so you can put him wherever you want, I guess. But I've got him down as a D lineman. So anyway, they keep five guys. Jeffrey Simmons, Tier Tart, uh, Danico Autry, Jaden Peavy makes the roster, and Naquan Jones makes the roster, which means a handful of guys who, who played pretty well in the preseason, Kyle Pico, Michael Dwumfor, do not make the roster. I wonder if they try to get either of those guys back on the practice squad. Yeah, I thought they'd go a little heavier here. I think I had six on the initial um, 53, uh, I thought a one of Pico, or I'll say two of Pico, Naquan Jones, and Dwumfor would make it. It ended up being just one of them, and it ended up being Naquan Jones. Kudos to him, man. He was hurt most of the summer, got healthy just in time, and you would have thought yeah. maybe it was too late, right? Like, what? There was like a week left in the summer when he got healthy, and he came back. He obviously looked good enough. It looked explosive. He's been with the team th- this is third year, so they obviously like him a lot, and he had some guys to beat out, as we mentioned. This group is terrific, right? Like, this is one of the best groups on the whole roster because I, I count Dina Coatre there like you do. Jeffrey Simmons, you know, enough said. Uh, Tier Tart looks like he's ready to take another step forward as a pass rusher. And Jaden Peavy got praise all summer long, you know, from Mike Vrabel, Terrell Williams. And you didn't have him on your 53, I think. I'm going to call you no, out because I, I had him on mine because yeah, for me it just seemed have, like a no-brainer. You didn't, have, you didn't have Naquan Jones, so take that. You're right. I had. Did you have Naquan? <laughs> I had Naquan. All right, there you go. 1-1. One, one. You got me there. And damn, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, I should have updated it. Be that. Towards the I end know. there, I felt like it was going to be him, right? I but, had I had different opinions too, but once we put the video out on YouTube, like we had just had to stand on it. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> we did. We did. We had to shut that down. So, uh, but no, this is a great group overall. Again, I'm, I'm surprised they went slightly light here, but hey, maybe if, you know, Phillips goes on IR, maybe this is where they make a move and, and, and get one of those guys back, like, like Dom Four or Pico. So, uh, right. We'll see what it is, but the overall, it's a terrific group. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the outside linebacker slash edge group, however you prefer to call them. Titans only keep four guys here, so going pretty light. Uh, Harold Landry, obviously. Uh, Arden Key, obviously. Rashad Weaver makes the team again, of course. And then the semi-surprise here, Caleb Murphy, the undrafted free agent out of Ferris State, who led the entire NFL with four sacks this preseason after setting the NCAA single-season sack record last year with 25 and a half sacks, after tying the NCAA uh, single-season tackle for loss record with 39 tackles for loss. He had a sack in every, at least one sack in every single preseason game. Guy just knows how to get after the quarterback. Didn't do a whole lot on special teams. Mike Vrabel talked about that on Monday, that he, you know, he's not been a huge special. He said he wouldn't call him one of our core special teamers, and they're still trying to work with him on the special teams element. The fact that they kept him on the roster without the special teams element shows that they think this guy can get after the quarterback. And I guess, I guess the big surprise here is that friend of the pod, Sam Aquanu, did not make the final 53. Well, I went four for four on this position group uh, in my projection, right? I, I went with Landry, Key, Weaver, and Murphy. You had Sam Aquanu on here. We both uh, did. You did or I did? We both did. Oh, see, I didn't even realize, I guess because but I wrote a final article and I, I went four for four on the article. I had Caleb Murphy yeah. on there. Um, I thought they'd go light here because of Autry's versatility. And I didn't think in all, in all honesty that like when I look at Sam and I look at Thomas Rush and I look at Caleb Murphy... I got a really hard time picking out two of them and saying they are that they would be a part of their best 53. That's yeah. why I went with just one of those three. And I, I went, I guess I went with Sam on the on the YouTube version. I went with Caleb on the article version. Uh for me, this is what I expected. Uh, you know, Caleb led the team in sacks in the preseason with four. 
Um, yeah, I just thought Rush didn't show enough. Maybe he ends up back on the practice squad. I think Sam O probably ends up back on the practice squad as well, most likely, uh, if he doesn't get claimed. Another terrific group. And, and this is why I don't include Autry here. Because wouldn't you expect when they line up four linemen, don't you think when they're healthy, that's Arden Key and Harold Landry outside and Autry's playing yeah. inside next to Simmons? That's why Absolutely. it makes no sense to include him with the outside linebacker. I know he played it a lot last year. Felt out of necessity because they didn't have anyone else, right? When Harold Landry missed the whole season. So to me, he's still a D lineman. He'd also be a big boy to be a designated outside linebacker, right? That's a big man. Uh, but kudos to Caleb Murphy. I think that tweet, when I broke that one, that he made the 53, I think that one did the best for me out of any tweets. The people love them, some Caleb Murphy. I think I was getting Ferris football alums quote tweeting it. Yeah. Like it was just, it went wild. I love to see that small knit community jump in and support one of their own. So hats off to Caleb Murphy, man. So happy for him. Yeah, and we threw up on our YouTube channel earlier on Tuesday a Caleb Murphy preseason highlight reel. So go check that check out. It out. It's got all four of his sacks. YouTube a tackle for loss and, and a few other tackles there. Yes, exclusively on YouTube. So go find that one. Um, we'll move on now to the inside linebacker position where I think two of the most surprising moves of the day were made here at this position. The five that they ended up keeping are Aziz Alshire, Jack Gibbons, Monty Rice does end up making the team fully healthy. Apparently uh, he said on Monday that the things were keeping him out of, of practice and preseason the last couple of weeks were quote, God and life. So interesting quote there. I don't know if he was hurt. Uh, he doesn't didn't appear to say he was hurt, so we don't know what's going on there. Anyway, Monty Rice, Luke Gifford makes the team. And then the shocker of the day, Otis Reese makes it over Chance Campbell, who was cut. Ben Neiman also cut. Uh, that one surprised everyone, I think. But we heard, what was it, before the first preseason game, Mike Vrabel out of nowhere said that he was like, super excited to watch Otis Reese in that first preseason game. So, uh I guess that excitement never wore off and he will be probably a core special teamer for this team. Yeah, probably the biggest surprise. I'll let our listeners in on a fun little secret. I, I rarely uh, pull back the curtain, but I got a call this morning at like 8 a.m. telling me that uh, Otis Reese was going to be the surprise on the 53. And um, I sat on it for hours. I sat on it all day almost. I think I only put it out just before the deadline, I think. Um, and I was kicking myself cause I'm like, man, if, if someone, you know, I'm competitive, I gotta be honest. If someone <laughs> beats me to this, I'm going to be pissed, you know, cause I've been sitting on it all morning. It just, the information I had, like it was solid, but it, it felt like, like, it felt like something we had to wait on, you know, based on uh, the source that I had and where it was coming from. It felt solid. And then when, you know, when they cut chance Campbell and I think, uh, someone else broke the chance Campbell one, it wasn't me. But when I saw that one quickly on Twitter, like a light bulb went out of my head. I'm, hmm, you know, that was recent info I got five hours ago is looking better and better, right? So uh, I had we hadn't heard about Ben Neiman and Monty Rice until after uh, Jim Wyatt published the actual 53. So that's why, you know, I sat on the Reese thing for a little bit, but couldn't be happier for him, man. I, I called my uh, called my source back and said, look, nobody who did a 53-man roster projection at the beginning of August had Otis Reese on it. Hell, no one probably had it now, right? If you yeah. did one a week ago. So it's like- <laughs> Or yesterday, if you did one, you didn't have Otis Reese on it. <laughs> that's the biggest compliment I can give someone, right? Because it's like, all it means is he fucking worked his butt off and he earned it. You know what I mean? He earned it every step of the way. No one had him. No one had him. No one had him coming out of camp. Uh, not even, especially, certainly uh, not in April or you know May. So yeah. that's off to him. I would say one of three of the biggest surprises of the day. I thought there were two others that, that took me back a little, but 
uh, that's probably tied for number one for me. And uh, if not, it's number two. Yeah, I think that that is number one for me. And when the Chance Campbell release was thrown around on Twitter, people were like, oh, this could be positive news for Ben Neiman. And uh, you had let me know earlier in the day that Otis Reese, that that could be happening. And I saw those tweets and was just like, could be big for Ben Neiman or somebody else. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I let you in on that a couple hours early. Uh, yeah. Uh, let me say something about some of the other guys. I'm going off on Otis Reese because I'm so friggin' happy for him. But Chance yeah. Campbell, Ben Neiman, I'm certainly surprised. I thought Chance played so well throughout the preseason. Didn't see that one coming. Most of it came down to special teams. I think we're Otis Reese. They're really excited about the upside. He's so tenacious. Uh, he's a ball of energy, man, a fireball of energy. So that's probably what that came down to. Monty Rice getting one last opportunity, right? As you said, he he had said it it sounded like maybe it was a personal issue, maybe a family issue. I don't know what. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was keeping him off the field. It didn't sound like an injury. I'm totally speculating, right? But based on what right. he said, didn't sound like an injury. So they're giving him another opportunity here to come in and and and, and earn a spot and play football for them. So definitely they had some decisions to make here. It's a good problem to have. They had a lot of depth here and, and they made some surprising decisions. Yeah, and it looks like it will be Jack Gimmons on opening day starting next to Aziz Alshire. So a surprise winning, you know, a surprise roster battle win there for Jack Gibbons to take over that starting role. And let's see if he can grab it and run with it. We'll move on now to the cornerback position where we had another pretty big surprise. Uh, Christian Fulton obviously makes it. There were five total that made it. Christian Fulton, obviously. Sean Murphy Bunting, Roger McCreary, those are your three starters. Trey Avery, after a solid rookie year as a UDFA last season, comes back this year. And then Anthony Kendall is the final cornerback to make the team. Had a good preseason. I had him on my projection, actually, to make the team. But uh, we also both had Eric Garor, who... You know, was returning punts, was playing really well on defense, and he was surprisingly cut. A lot of people had him pegged as like the UDFA that was going to make the roster this year, and he didn't. So I would expect they try to get him back on the practice squad if he doesn't get claimed somewhere else. But uh, that one was a, was a big surprise. Can you imagine a week ago, a day ago, saying they're going to keep four UDFAs and he wouldn't be one of them? Right? Yeah, they right. kept Kendall, they kept Reese, who I'm missing, Kiers, Jackson, and Caleb Murphy. Caleb so Murphy four yeah. UDFAs. And he's not one of them. That that that, that one shocked me for sure. And especially because I, I expected him to be the starting punt returner. He looked like their best right. punt returner during the preseason. And he was such a great tackler playing nickel. So fun fact, I had a coach from the Sun Belt text me earlier this afternoon and say, hey, is Eric going to make the Titans roster? And I, I felt bad because in that moment I said, man, I'm, not, you know, I'm working to confirm. I, I think he is. Nothing confirmed yet, but I really think he is. And he texted me back. He said, Wow. You know, he's such a great player, but he's he's so small is what the mm. coach said to me. And I said, if, if, in all honesty, though, I really feel like he's going to make it. It's looking that way. Then I have to text coach back a couple hours later and say, no, he did not make it, uh, unfortunately. But hopefully they get him back on the practice squad. I was certainly a little surprised they kept Kendall over him. But yeah, let's root for Kendall, too, man. D3. D3 yeah. kick, like out of what? Baldwin Wallace, I think is the name of the program he, he came out of, like. No combine invite for Kendall. No combine invite for Kendall. He had to go to three different pro days in the span of five days um, to just so to get himself Baldwin seen. Wallace didn't have one and didn't have any NFL teams going down there. So he had to get an invite to like other He had pro to days, work right? his like, tail off just to get noticed in the pre-draft process. Obviously, it goes undrafted, and the Titans, I guess, lucked out by uh, identifying him they, and signing him. I don't even him. think they signed him initially. He might have been like a, a, a rookie player. camp invite. Yeah. And impress them. A couple of those got a couple of guys uh, got signed that way. Right, Matthew Jackson, who we'll get to, was the same. But um, I think this probably came down to special teams, and that sounds silly because EG is the better returner. 
But when it comes down to gunner, you know, kickoff coverage, punt coverage, I, I felt like Anthony Kendall played really well there. And that's what this decision came down to. I will say, uh, I like, uh, you know, the, we know we're not going to spend too much time talking about the top half of the group because we know Christian Fulton, Sean Murphy, Bunting, Roger McCurry are their top three. I will say, as much as I like this group, I also worry about injuries because if this group doesn't stay healthy, in all honesty, it could get ugly fast, right? You probably don't want Anthony Kendall, Eric Gary. You probably don't want these guys playing a ton <laughs> of snaps on defense, covering yeah. proven NFL receivers. So uh, even Trey Avery, you know, I like him a lot, but he you know, bumps and bruises, right? So uh, I like the makeup of this group, but it's really important that it stays healthy. Did you say earlier the team had four UDFAs make the roster? I know. I felt like, was it five? It was five because we're about to get to the safety group here where another UDFA made it. Obviously, Kevin Byard, Amani Hooker, Elijah Molden is a safety now, I guess, so we're counting him here. Mike Brown makes a team. And Matthew Jackson, who was signed originally, what, as a linebacker as a UDFA, switched to safety? Sort of. You're on the right track. He played linebacker in college, but even by the time he tried out for the Titans, he was already trying out at safety. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, so he makes the roster as the fifth safety. That was a pretty big surprise. Like, um, nobody really, kind of like Otis Reese, nobody really had him on their final roster. A lot of people only had them keeping four safeties to begin with. Uh, I had Tyreek Jones, who was waived. Um, but yeah, so they keep a total of 10 defensive backs, and Matthew Jackson and Mike Brown both make it. Elijah Molden, not a ton of safety depth here. I do wonder if they might look to make a move around the league. Eric Rowe was released on Tuesday, and he's a veteran safety that's played some good snaps in his career, so perhaps they take a look at somebody like that, just given the lack of depth. Josh Kalou was released, I think, on Monday, so um, he's he's available, too, if they wanted to, you know, pursue that reunion that we've been talking about for three months, but uh <laughs> That's probably not going to happen, it feels like, right? We keep bringing it <laughs> yeah, up, but... Right. Um, the Matthew Jackson one is tied with Otis Reese for the biggest surprise of the day, and I was so happy for him. He's a local kid, right? I can't remember from where, but I, th- I think he, is he from, he's a Nashville native. He grew up literally across the street from Nissan Stadium. He told me he could see the stadium from his bedroom window when I spoke to him uh, much earlier in the summer. I, re- I interviewed him, wrote a story on him for uh, Broadway Sports. You can go ahead and read that interview because you probably want to get familiar. 199 yeah. tackles across the last two seasons, man, at Eastern Kentucky. 18 and a half tackles, five and a half sacks, 12 PBUs, two interceptions. Extremely productive at EK, sorry, EKU. Um, outstanding man. Linebacker, as I said, there attended the local day workout. Sorry, that's where they first, first noticed him and played safety there. Played yeah. safety, switched positions, he's undersized, right? And got signed. It's crazy. Scott Booker, Titan safety coach, was a big fan throughout the entire pre draft process. Titans had already done their homework on him. Coach Booker and him were in constant contact. It's incredible, man. He went to the pro day, ran a 4.51 in the 40, elite 2.53 20 yard split. 38 and a half inch vert, 11 foot two broad, seven flat three cone. Really, really good. 8.09 relative athletic score based on the pro day results. I'm thrilled for him, man. When I got that text, I, I jumped out of my chair because the text came <laughs> late. I had been in contact all day uh, with a source that was working on that one. And uh, it was like 350 Eastern, sorry, 350 Eastern, 250 Central. And uh, he didn't know anything yet. He wasn't aware wow. if he had made the team or not. Like if this thing went right down to the wire. Uh, yeah. He found out extremely last minute. Uh, of course, I, I haven't had a chance to speak with him yet, but couldn't be happier for him. This is incredible. Uh, what a story. What a local success story. He grew up across the street from the stadium. Now he's playing football for the Titans. 
Yeah, that is awesome. So uh, kudos to him. We're, we're happy for him. Now we move on to the specialists here where we had another shocking development in Titans news. Of course, we knew the punter was going to be Ryan Stonehouse. We knew the long snapper would be Morgan Cox. The Titans cut Michael Badgley the other day after, you know, having a pretty shaky final preseason outing where he he went three for four on his kicks, I believe, but one of them bounced off the upright and went in and he missed a kick that was pretty makeable. So yeah, Michael Badgley was not the guy that they were looking for. He was sort of just a placeholder for the last game, which if they were going to do that, why not just let Trey Wolf and Caleb Shudak have one more shot to prove they belong in the league? Like, I mean, it's a, I, I don't know that Badgley was just a placeholder. I would think they gave him an honest opportunity to earn the job, Maybe. right? He, he just didn't have a lot of time and he didn't look good at practice and he didn't look that convincing in the preseason. So uh, I thought it made sense. And I feel like at that point, when they made that move, they knew they knew, like, you know what? Caleb Shudak and Trey Wolf are not the guys. Let's yeah. take one more swing at it before we really got to do something bold. They gave Badgley a shot. Wasn't the guy went out and acquired Nick Folk. I, I thought the whole time that I think, did I have him on my projection? You did. Somehow you had him because at the very end, I was Knocked like, out of well, we recorded park. this before uh, Trey Wolf and Caleb Shudak were waived. So we both had Trey Wolf, but now Michael Badgley has been signed. So I'm going to go with Michael Badgley. And Justin, if you want to pick some random other kicker in the NFL, go for it. And you were like, well, I'm going to take that opportunity to pick Nick Folk as the Titans kicker. So you nailed that somehow. And yeah, then, the I remember send, before uh, they signed Badgley, I said, Michael Badgley is available. Maybe it'll be Badgley. Yeah. That'll be the next guy. <laughs> I'm did. on fire when it comes to the kickers. Oh uh, when I saw Dustin Hopkins was traded a few days ago for a 2025 seventh, my ears perked up because I said, okay, that's the going, that's the going rate on a kicker trading for a kicker. Titans don't have any damn 2024 picks to trade, but why not yeah. trade a 2025 seven? If that's the going rate, they could absolutely get themselves in the market. I had tweeted out earlier in the day that they were working on trading for a kicker. I gave you all a hint hint. And then I was just, I think moments later that Ian Rappaport broke uh, that they had acquired Nick Folk. So I knew something was in development. I received a text saying, hey, uh, they've put everything on hold because they're trying to trade for a kicker right now. That's when I fired off the tweet saying they were working on something. And then there you had it. Minutes later, it's Nick Folk. It makes sense to me, man. Uh, I, I, there are some concerns here. I won't lie. He only made 86.5% of his kicks last year. He really waned down the stretch. Like It was down the stretch that he started struggling where he missed the majority of his kicks. Some expectations are that maybe that's because his leg got tired from being the kickoff guy and he wasn't a yeah. great kickoff guy. And that concerns me a little because I don't think the Titans have been very good on kickoff coverage under Craig Ockerman. Uh, hopefully the new rule where teams can fair catch, take it at the 25, hopefully that means less kickoff returns. I think it will mean less kickoff returns in all honesty. I think most teams will just take it at the 25. Uh, or maybe they'll listen to this podcast and say, hey, we got a chance to expose the Titans on kickoff, so let's, let's try to run it back. But ultimately, I'm a little skeptical, but I do like the move. I like it more than I dislike it, right? I mean, I, I, how can you not? This guy was the... One of the best kickers in the league, 2020-2021. You hope last year was a bit of an anomaly for him. They have had no answer at this position for years. Yeah, it might have made more sense to take a chance on a younger guy like Cade York, who the Browns released, you know, an intriguing reclamation project. See if it could be a long-term solution. That's not going to be Nick Folk because he's quite old, right? He's 37 yeah, or 38, exactly. I believe. But it's a 2025-7 that means absolutely nothing, right? It's it's the baseball version or the hockey version of traded for a player to be named later or cash considerations, yeah. right? They gave up nothing for a guy that's made a lot of kicks over the past few years. So ultimately, uh, um, there's a... Small part of me that's skeptical, but at the end of the day, I really like the move. 
I feel like it's very, very similar to the Steven Goskowski acquisition of a few years ago, where uh, not only because they were New England kickers before they came to Tennessee, but, you know, just an older guy who you, you think is going to be steady, reliable enough. He'll probably miss a handful of kicks throughout the year. He just hope he makes the big ones, you know, the game winning situational type kicks. 38 years old, so he's obviously not your kicker of the future. He's a one or two year Band-Aid. Um, and the Titans elected to go that route I think after maybe missing out on a guy like Dustin Hopkins Cameron Dicker wins the Chargers kicking job there um they missed out on Will Lutz who it was rumored for a couple days would be traded to reunite with Sean Payton and the Broncos and that's exactly what happened I don't think they wanted to go down the Cade York route I mean he was a great college kicker a great high school recruit at kicker coming out but was never really very good for the Browns who drafted him what in the fourth round a year ago and uh, had a pretty up-and-down rookie season. Then he's out there in the middle of a preseason game at halftime, tweeting out his own kicking highlights, goes out in the second half and misses two kicks. You know Mike Grable doesn't want anybody out there tweeting their own highlights during a game. And on top of that, then he goes and misses kicks afterward. Brett Maher has had a pretty good career. He was the Denver kicker before they acquired Will Lutz. But, I mean... I'm sure everyone remembers Brett Maher missing five extra points in six <laughs> attempts over the course of last year's playoffs uh, in two weeks. So um, like an all-time meltdown from a kicker and where a position that's all mental, essentially, after you, you know, once you learn how to be a kicker, it becomes all mental. And uh, just taking a chance on a guy to like not be broken from what happened last, but the very end of last year seems like a big risk to me too. So I think they went with the most reliable, safe route no upside and no long-term stability, but it'll get you through the 2023 season at kicker. So uh, and I think that's why they decided to do it. I, I think one of the big things here that's worth mentioning is I expect him to be, and I'm sure they expect him to be money from 45 yards or closer. Right. Right. And in all honesty, that wasn't Michael Badgley. That wasn't Caleb Chudak. That wasn't Trey Wolf. Right. So it's like, yeah, everyone wants to have Justin Tucker. You'd love to have a guy with a big leg that can make it from 50, 55. But you know how many 50 yard field goals you're going to attempt compared to 46 or less? Not a whole lot. Right. If you're going to choose one, for example, Trey Wolf had the big leg. Right. But the accuracy wasn't down packed. You're going to take the guy that's money from within 45, 46, because th those are most of the field goals you attempt. So right. if Nick Fool can come in and make those kicks, they're going to be fine at the position. You might get the occasional frustration when they decide to punt instead of trying a 51 yarder or they send him out there for a 50 yarder and he misses it. Now, a lot of those sometimes are at the end of halftime anyway. Right. So it's right. like, uh, you, you know where I'm getting here. So it's like, if he's money from 46, 45 or less, uh, this trade will have certainly been worth it. Yeah. And just to wrap up things here, put a neat little bow on everything. Uh, we mentioned Nicholas Petitfriere on the roster, but suspended. Hassan Haskins on the roster, but on IR. Shackle Brown has also been added to IR. And Caleb Farley was not activated off of the PUP list. So he will miss at least the first four games of the season while he continues to work through the tragedy that occurred in his life. And um, our hearts go out to Caleb Farley and just hope that, you know, he can be okay in a, in a, wherever, whatever he's dealing with now, because, you don't wish that on anyone. So that rounds out the roster, Justin. I think it's time for us to go through and compare how we did in our projections because I know that everyone listening to this podcast or watching this on YouTube, that's all they care about. Who won the roster projection battle here between Justin and Justin? Well, I got to say it was you. You nailed 46 out of 53, including somehow magically pulling Nick Folk out of your ass, and I only <laughs> got 44 
despite me including Anthony Kendall on the final roster and including Naquan Jones on the final roster, which you did not do, you beat me in a few areas like uh, Jaden Peavy, Jalen Duncan over Andrew Rupsich, and um, obviously getting Nick Folk pick was a big one for you. So we both missed Chance Campbell. We both missed Sam Aquanu. We both missed Kyle Pico. We both missed Thomas Adekoya. I had Racy McMath. You had um, Reggie Robertson. We both had Eric Garor. I had Tyreek Jones. But it, the point is, we both did pretty dang good. I mean, who had Anthony Kendall on their final roster? Come on, I want That's, some props for that one. No winners or losers. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, now we're even for uh, the fact that, remember we had that battle going on. Is Dylan Radins a guard or a tackle? <laughs> had I said tackle, you had guard. Well, you know what? We're not even. I'm reigniting that battle because Dylan Radins is back on the roster. <laughs> and if he gets a chance to start at right tackle, I'm going to claim victory in that one as well. And it'll be 2 nothing for the Canadian. Wow. All right. Hey, man, I'll give it to you if it happens, but I'm still holding out hope that he's uh, he's a guard or at least a player that the Titans can put on the field at some point in his career. We'd all win. <laughs> yeah, we'd all, we'd all win, I think, in that case. <laughs> um, all right. That'll do it for this episode of the Music City Audible podcast. Thank you for listening or watching. Thank you for listening, but thank you more if you're watching. And if you're not watching, head over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button, make sure to give us a thumbs up, like on the video, and hit the bell for channel notifications so you know when a new video drops, like the ones that are going to be coming out this week we're gonna do a titans headlines just recapping the biggest news stories that that are going on you know around the 53-man roster which is everyone's focus so some other stuff gets lost in the cracks so we're gonna go through some of those headlines and then we're gonna rank the titans position groups from 1 to 12 where are they strongest where are they weakest and uh those will be coming later this week exclusively on youtube so make sure you are subscribed follow justin on twitter at justin m underscore nfl for all the Titans breaking news, roster signings, and practice squad signings that are going to be coming out over the course of the next day, you know, on Wednesday after waivers are over, those are going to be coming fast and furious. So make sure you're following Justin there and follow me at Titans Film Room. That'll do it for this one. Again, thanks for watching or listening. Until next time, y'all stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.